might have heard that the Talica boys were gonna play some heavy shit tonight. position though i've been doing more lounging i encourage you also you can get in the lounge position oh i'm getting ready for there sure. you go absolutely all right well welcome to another episode of metal tales from the road i'm clint wells one of your hosts i'm here today with oscar all the way from finland who so graciously jumped on the call today nice to see and talk to you oscar how you doing over there hey clint yeah it's um great to be on the show now you've been on the patreon train for a while right correct um i think for Two, three years now? Two or three years, and you've been to pretty much all yeah. the all the Zoom hangs. Whenever we can do a Zoom hang, you're usually able to hop on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a ton of fun. So, you know, it's nice to see a familiar face and a familiar name, and we're going to burn down this big four show. I'm excited about it because we just finished, it felt like it took forever, but we did just finish wrapping up the whole Sophia DVD. And uh, I'm interested about this show because this is this is the one that they didn't they didn't like film this for anything right they didn't broadcast this one for anything so this is just sort of a normal show correct uh, well they did film it for but I think they showed it on uh, Swedish TV Swedish TV interesting what would you guess the demand for that kind of thing just on Swedish TV like or is that something people would watch that's a very good question I have no idea like and it was a bit surprising that you know I found it on YouTube and. You could see like the watermark for the TV channel. What's the vibe like in in Finland where you are? I mean, what's the, the Scandinavian vibe? Do you have a lot of friends and peers that are Metallica fans? Oh yeah, a lot of different generations listen to Metallica here in Finland. So all the way from like the like OG fans from the '80s and all the way to like very aged kids nowadays listening to Metallica also. So. Yeah, there's a, there's an interesting concentration of like, uh, it seems to be an interesting concentration of heavy heavy music fans in that part of the world. No, there definitely is, and you can see it with the amount of just metal bands coming from Finland and Scandinavia. Yeah, I wonder what that is. I mean, the, you know, the general, you know, my wife and I who are in America, which America's great, we, we you know, we're happy to be here, etc. There's a lot of cool things about the States. But we also have this idealized version of Scandinavia. You know, we have this little fantasy about maybe living there one day. Because the idea is that people seem real happy there. Education levels are high. Health levels are high. Uh, what's, what, do you think, uh, what do you think accounts for the attraction to heavy music, which is generally a bunch of uh, people who are identifying with it because they, they're, they're frustrated or upset? You got a bunch of happy people in Sweden and Finland and Denmark who are like just enjoying banging their head to aggressive music. Yeah, no, that's a very interesting point as well. I think factor into that might be the very long winters, like mm. not a lot of sun, just a lot of darkness. So I guess that would play a big role. Nice. There's like a vampiric quality. I like that. Absolutely. You know why yeah. we're getting so philosophical here at the top? It's because we're in the lounge position. It's because we're comfortable. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and take this moment in the Metal Tales to just encourage all the listeners out there. If you're able to, just get lounged. Get into a little bit of a lounge sitch. Why not? All right, so tell us about where it starts for you. What's, you know, where, where did, you, did you, were you brought into the world a Metallica fan? What, what's the origin story for you and Metallica? So I think I was about eight or nine, I think, when I kind of first got Metallica on my radar. I had, um, I had Guitar Hero um, 3, I think it was, and it had one on it. And I was like, okay, this is a cool song and like a cool band. And, you know, kind of, you know, started checking out Metallica on YouTube after that, going down the rabbit hole and then just instantly became my favorite band. And that's about it. And this was around 2006, seven ish. Okay. I wonder, it would be so fascinating to be able to actually see how many, how many people got turned on to the band through Guitar Hero. I feel like a lot, probably. Yeah, a lot of kids like Especially you. Especially like my generation, yeah, definitely. What would you say the difficulty level of the song 1 is on the game? I've never played it. 
I have no experience with it, but I know that some songs are super hard and some are easy. Where does one fit in with that? At the harder end of the scale, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Especially with the like, heavy part and the solo and all that. And did, would you say you had mastered that song? I mean, I was pretty good at Guitar Hero when I was young, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say. But that also kind of fueled <laughs> my interest into playing real guitar and I've been playing guitar for like 15 years now. So Wow. See, that's the other thing too, is it also just encouraged so many kids not only to buy some great guitar-centered records, but also just to pick up the damn thing themselves. So you had already mastered the game. What was it like for you? I should have asked my brothers this when they were younger, but what was it like for you to actually pick up the real thing? Did you? Does Guitar Hero sell the idea that it's easy? And then uh, what, what was that like with the reality of actually picking one up and trying to play an F chord? bar that F chord. That's one of the hardest first things. No, that is definitely. And it's hard to say because I became or picked up the, uh, the real guitar approximately the same time as did as I did play Guitar Hero. So it kind of almost went hand in hand a little bit. So it's can't re- really remember like the first time like, okay, now I'm going to pick up the real guitar and see how different it is because it kind of came at the same time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's just like Guitar Hero fueled my interest more into the real thing. My memory of when that game was really popular around that time, 06, 7, 8, um, my brothers were young and uh, we were, I played it maybe once or twice to them and they just were awesome at it and I was terrible. And they just, they got the big kick out of like big brother who plays guitar, you know, professionally sucks at the game. They, they were pretty tickled by that. <clears throat> so, all right. So, but then they came out with the game that was just all Metallica songs. Did you get that game too? Oh, absolutely. Because by that time, <laughs> yeah. you were already a big fan, I'm, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because that was like five years later or six years later. Yeah. So like significantly later. And I had, yeah, obviously been a fan already for many years. So you play the game, you play the song one, it intrigues you. You go check out YouTube like many kids of that time. What was sort of the first, I mean, you, you know, 2006, you got so much to work through, you know? The documentary, Saint Anger, SM, Black Album, all the Load Era, of course, all the 80s stuff and Justice for All. So, was there any genre or not genre, but any era of the band that sort of poked out and kind of became? I feel like a lot of times early in a fandom, there's a certain era of a band, especially if they have such a long career, that kind of becomes your thing. For me, it was Black Album, Load, Reload. Did you have one of those experiences that late in the game? A little bit. I think mine were Kill 'em All and Ride the Lightning, just because those were they just connected me or like related to me the most as in that they were fast heavy simple you were wearing a lot of leather at the time yeah i was like a rocker kid kind of you know <laughs> yeah so but no definitely like kill them all and red delighting were like but then again i have to say i did enjoy all of it like there was nothing that i didn't like i even like loved saint anger yeah because i just didn't hear any different yeah it wasn't any different than I think that's one of the gifts of coming to a, such a deep catalog later. I've, I've been doing the same thing with like, uh, I did that with Dylan, the Talking Heads, these bands that I've been getting into that have these big catalogs. All the controversies that were like happening in real time throughout the years with the fan bases being disappointed with this record, it's too commercial or whatever. You get to just skip all that crap and you almost in a very pure way, just enjoy it. Absolutely. It's just all about the music at that point totally like ideas of like well this record was weird for me because they cut their hair it's like that makes no sense to someone who comes on a little later and then and then of course you have you know the first album that did come out while you were a fan was death magnetic which kicks as much ass as anything absolutely and then i remember hearing i think it was all nightmare long it came on the radio as a single here in finland wow and i was like i didn't like first recognize that it was metallic i was like holy shit this is amazing like, what is this? And then I, you know, obviously, you know, I uh, heard that it was Metallica. And I was like, I need, I need this. Like, what is this? Right. Like, is this a new album or something? And then, yeah, I figured, okay, it's a new album coming out. And yeah, Death Magnetic was like, and it still is like top three album, Metallica albums. For me. What'd you think about Hardwired? I loved it. Loved it. Absolutely. Like, especially like the heavier stuff, the faster stuff, Moth into Flames, Spit Out the Bone, mm-hmm. Hardwired. Like especially because there's they're very death magnetic, like yeah, closer to death magnetic, but just with better production. Yeah, yeah. yeah the guitars are a little easier to listen to. The uh, which I think the guitars sound good with the matter, but but yeah, the drums and guitars a little easier, and the vocals a little easier to listen to for sure. Oh yeah. Um. Well, let me ask you this: Can you play all that stuff? Are you are you one of these dudes that did you get that right hand stuff, that Hetfield stuff down? Yeah, most of it. Like most of the rhythm stuff is. 
Like I can do it. Like the lead stuff is, I can't really do what Kirk does. Mm -hmm. Like my fingers just don't go that fast on my left hand, but the right hand is pretty solid. Cause like I've been playing those since I was, I don't know, like 10. I would, I would, this analogy literally just occurred to me and I have almost no knowledge of this world, but let's say we're playing Dungeons and Dragons Metallica edition. Okay. Now I know enough about it to where, did you play these games? Maybe I'm going to embarrass myself. Do you play D and D or anything? I have not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it, but you know, you have these like certain magic powers or cards that trump up, you know, I'm, I'm, I know that the game is sort of laid out in that way. Here's what I know for sure in the Metallica version of this. The, the Hetfield right hand down picking more powerful than the Hammett left hand speed guitar solo stuff. Oh yeah, it's a, like next level. I'd rather have that power. I'd rather have that card. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I guess for me, it's like the grass is green on the other side. Like for now, I would be like, okay, it would be cool to do all like the fast lead stuff. Yeah. But then I don't know if I could do that, but not the super tight fast right hand stuff. I might be like, okay, I would want to do that instead. So I don't know. Yeah. I just the first, when you when I pick up a guitar, even after all these years, the stuff I always almost always play first is disposable heroes or like blackened. You know, just that tight right hand stuff. Do you have a is there an era or an album of the band that you're sort of currently excited about? Sometimes I go through these little seasons where I'm like listening to nothing but lightning or puppets or whatever. You, are you dipping in anything right now? Yeah, I have those um, periods as well. Right now it's um, and justice for all. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, yeah, it's. I've just. I really like the progressive stuff that they have on that record. Yeah. I know it doesn't sound the best, no bass, basically, but still, as song, like song, as songs go, yeah, it's one of my favorites for sure. And right now, rocking it. I I always go back to that one too. That's why it's my second favorite album. Um, because I just I always end up going back to it. Something's just so powerful and visceral about that album. Did you hear the new Jason Newsted interview with Metal Hammer? I have not actually. I've been like meaning to check that out. I, one of the interesting things he says in it, it's definitely worth checking out. One of the interesting things he says is he's talking about the lack of bass on the album and you know, did you know at the time? He talks about he's like, yeah, I was actually pretty pissed off about it. But he does, you know, he means he kind of is very zen. Also, he's like, you know, if that album had been mixed properly, we wouldn't be talking about it. It's one of those things that keeps people talking about it. But he does call Injustice for All the first like garage rock album, meaning, you know, like the White Stripes, the Black Keys, these bands that got very fashionable with no bass player, just guitar drums, you know? And he jokingly, but I think also pretty interestingly, refers to Injustice for All as the first one of those, which I'm like, oh, that's, that's actually a pretty good point. Yeah, it is. Because it is basically just like guitar and drums. So, yeah. <laughs> the songs are 10 minutes long and uh, insanely progressive. Um, yeah, they're only three like times longer than <laughs> exactly. average, you know, garage rock band, but, you know. Yeah, the song in Justice for All itself, I think, is the average length of most garage rock albums, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about this gig. Did you see, were you able to see them at all? So you became a fan in 06. This gig we're talking about is 2011. Did you see them at all before that? This was my first concert. First uh, concert. concert, yeah. So when you get into Metallica, see, this didn't really happen to me, but I think this happens to a lot of people. I didn't automatically get into the other big four bands. You know that they would find their ways into my life just through different paths. And then, as many of our listeners know, none of those other bands really stuck with me the way that Metallica did. Did you kind of start to get into the big four? Were you like a fan of all these other bands? Um, not before 2010. Before the first big four shows. Gotcha. So okay. yeah, those big four, uh, first big four shows were definitely like turning point for me where I was like, okay, these other three other bands are pretty cool as well. Let me check them out. You know, became a fan of all three, but obviously not as big of a fan as Metallica. Well, what other music were you listening to when the Metallica thing happened to you? What were some of your other favorite bands? I was uh, listening to a lot of metal, surprise, surprise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, um, mainly like Finnish metal bands like Nightwish and Children of Bodom like bigger bigger Finnish bands okay and basically also because like my father was, or is a massive Nightwish fan so he had all the records and everything so I you know heard them at home listened to them became a fan as well like and this was like before I got into Metaco you'll need to recommend for me and for any of our listeners who may be interested because I've heard of those bands never checked them out if I'm going to get one Nightwish album or one Children of Bodom album, which are, what are the two? What's the Finnish metal to check out? So for Nightwish, I would definitely, because there's three different singers. So 
basically three different eras of Nightwish. Okay. And the first one is what kind of like the Trues believe is like the best era. And like they had their more operatic singer. The second singer was a bit more pop oriented. And the third one now is just one of the best singers ever, Florianson. Okay. And yeah, she's like, so the two newest albums with her, they're as, like I would say song, song wise, maybe not as classic as the first ones, but like just production and everything are pretty amazing. But I would recommend the album once with the um, first singer. That's considered one of their their best albums i'm gonna make a note of this right now as you're telling me so i don't forget dude it's funny when you even asking you that question and hearing you like sort of you know <laughs> you almost have to like break it down it's like i call it <laughs> yeah. i call it the elevator speech you're like all right well here we go hope yep. you're ready for a little mini wikipedia it's funny how bands just the life of a band is a story in itself you know they have their trues they have their <laughs> their black album their pop thing they have their new Absolutely. thing that you have to defend all right, so Nightwish once. How about Children of Bodom? They have made pretty much or very similar records throughout their whole career when they made when they were still a band. Obviously, you know, the, after the passing of Alexi Laiha, right? You know, right? No new music, but but like I would say, the album to check out would be Hey Crew Death Roll. Okay. So yeah, that's from two thousand and three, and I would consider it has the most of their best songs. All right, so we're here in twenty eleven. How do you pronounce the name of this stadium? This is in Gothenburg, Sweden. So don't quote me on this, but I would say Ullevi Stadion. Okay, nice. And how far away is that for you? We took a flight there with my father. So I went there with my father. Awesome. And so we um, flew from Finland um, on the day of the show in the morning. Got a hotel hotel room, um, you know, checked in, dropped our bags, then had a stroll around the city and just, you know, waited until we could get in. Yep. And um, yeah, it was only like an hour flight, so not too bad. And how old were you at the time? 11. I was 14. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's just such an impressionable time to see to see this kind of music live. I remember being the same age and seeing Kiss or Ted Nugent or Skid Row. It's just, and, and, you know, same as you, my dad took me to a lot of these concerts. It's such a, how do you describe that? It's just such a, um, it's a rite of passage just gets close to it. You learn so much in a day like that, just from the travel with your dad and like you're going to one of your first big rock shows and you basically got to see in in one day the royalty of thrash metal. Do you think at that that age it it was like, uh, did you have that sense about it? Like, wow, this is like really kind of a big day for me. Oh, absolutely. Like I remember soaking everything in, like remembering every detail, like just getting to the stadium and before even Anthrax came up just seeing the gear on the stage and all the people around the stadium. And like, I was like, Whoa, this is big. Like this is big, big deal. Where were you guys at in the crowd? Pretty far back at the like seating section, um, around the like back corner basically. So pretty far away, but you know, it didn't really matter to me at that, that moment. Cause I was just over the, like, over the moon happy that I was just there. And what was your sense of, I'm, as, I'm thinking about my 13-year-old self at, a, at my first show, which was a KISS show, and I'm thinking about me just taking in almost like a sponge, like all the adults around me, and feeling this sense of being almost like I'm I'm where I should not be. Like, I was, I was one of the few kids there, which that might be different than a Metallica show, but it felt like a very adult world that I was sort of getting to participate in did you have any of those kinds of feelings yeah definitely because you didn't see a lot of kids under like 15 16 there yeah so everyone was an adult adult basically who you saw even if they were 16 but you know they looked like probably like adults but oh yeah so yeah definitely yeah you felt like okay i mean i'm here with my dad so it's okay but i probably wouldn't feel be like feel okay being here alone yeah you're maybe maybe smelling some drugs you're maybe seeing some older looking ladies who who are attractive I, dude i remember when i was like in third grade i thought a fifth grader may as well have been 35 years old they seemed so oh, no, old definitely. to me so mature yep. <laughs> yep they just looked like adults they just may yeah. as well have, yeah there's no difference between them and a 30 year old who like yeah no, worked absolutely. down at the down at the plant all right so what does a day like that look like what so it was only the big four no other bands played yeah correct what time did anthrax go on do you remember no, I don't. But it was still daytime. Still daytime, yeah. 
Yeah, like afternoonish, like four or five, I think. Pretty early. Because they did play fairly long sets. Okay. So yeah, they did go on pretty early, like four or five, if I can remember correctly. And then, yeah. And what? where was your dad at in all this? Like, is he a Metallica fan? Is he a thrash metal fan? Was he just taking you because you were a fan? Like, was he excited about seeing these bands also? I mean, I feel like he was very excited as well, but he's not like a Metallica fan or like a thrash fan. He's more of a um, classic rock, mm-hmm. um, um, like 80s stuff. And yeah, but he obviously likes Metallica enough to, you know, take me there and, you know, watch the show with me. So, but I could, yeah, I bet he was excited, you know, going to a different country to see a band, like a big show and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Was it just sweet? Was, was Sweden just the closest they were going to be? They didn't play Finland that year? Yeah. Yeah. Correct. They can't remember all the cities, but there were only, only a few cities in Europe that they, they hit and like they didn't come to Finland that summer. Yeah. It looks like the show before they were in Germany, which was on July 2nd. Yep. So the day before. And let's see where they went afterwards. <clears throat> the next show was July 6th in Italy. So. I guess they figured they could kind of hit Sweden and cover a lot of that ground. I guess a lot of people, because this is a stadium too, so I imagine a lot of people traveled the way that you did from various parts I bet, of that yeah. part of the world. I remember just like being on the plane, going there, like it was full of Metallica fans. Oh, that's so fun. So, yeah, like you could see like everyone had like a Metallica or like Slayer shirt on or something like that. So you could definitely tell people were going to the show. Now, were you familiar enough with Anthrax, for example, to sort of follow along their set list? You were like, oh, this is this song and that song from that record and sing along or anything like that? Yeah, because I think it was about a year since the first big four shows. So I like had a year to get into all, all the three other bands and I was definitely getting into them. And remember like when they came, when they played, like I was like, okay, yeah, like I knew every song and totally into it whoa so you took that year and really did your homework oh absolutely yeah i like drove like dove straight into like all three so what does that look like for a kid for you know so for that year you know you're 13 12 13 14 is that looking like because i remember when i was that age you know i was dependent upon my parents for like the money to buy a record but i guess you were in a different time where you could find a lot of it pretty accessibly on the internet yeah i mean i still remember like buying cds with like if I got money from like doing chores or stuff, I remember saving up and buying CDs, mostly Metallica CDs and you know other big heavy bands. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then definitely YouTube came along and that really opened up everything. Right, because you could find any band ever. Really, yeah, just music on YouTube. Yeah, so I bet you could cram a lot in there in a pretty short period of time. What was your oh, favorite, yeah. What was your favorite Anthrax album? Because they're you know they're another one of these bands that just they have the whole story. They're the 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 story of their band is itself a saga. Was there any era or record that you particularly gravitated towards? Um, I think it's like State of Euphoria. Yeah, I think that's like if I have to say one record that's like the biggest for me or has been is State of Euphoria, and I can't really say why. I just like it kind of gravitate towards that every time I listen to Anthrax. Well, and sometimes the reason why is mysterious, you know. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know why some of my favorite records are my favorites either. So let me ask you this: back in the seats that you were in, what was the vibe? What was the reaction like to Anthrax? Were people pretty stoked? Mm, most were, yeah, I would say, and definitely you could see, like, I guess the more hardcore fans down at the bottom, in front of the stage, were definitely like, you know, getting the mosh pit started and everything. You could tell that okay, you know, people are definitely getting into it. But of course, like the people up where we were sitting, they were just kind of like enjoying the kind of day and not really just like enjoying the anthrax but it was anything like crazy up in the stands right it's a little harder to get caught in a mosh up there than <laughs> yeah than down yeah. in the front which i get yeah that probably would have been me that probably would have been my vibe like enjoying the day really really excited about metallica knowing that i have this like great little afternoon ahead of me and then just generally enjoying it like okay and then i'm guessing they they had yeah. big jumbotron screens so you could see what was going yeah, on? How did how did it sound? I remember it sounding huge. Nice. Like the low end definitely being really present and sounding really good. And I guess that far away, it's I don't know because I have it's probably the furthest I've ever been at a concert. Right. But that far away definitely did sound really good. Awesome. So I can't say how it sounded 
down, you know, closer to the stage, but you know, at least up there it sounded good. And then was it the same as the uh, Sophia gig? Was the next band Megadeth? Yeah, correct. All right. What was your What was your feeling about that set? Liked it even more than the Anthrax set. Yeah. Yeah. At least definitely at that time, I was more into Megadeth than any other, more than Anthrax or Slayer. So Megadeth was, I think, my second second favorite out of the big four at that time, at least. So I was like definitely looking forward to that set and like remember just enjoying all of it. And did they play a similar set list? I actually want to look up the Megadeth set list from this gig. Because I think the one for the Sophia gig, they were kind of on this, were they doing like a Rust in Peace sort of homage kind of? Was that what it was? Trust in My Darkest Hour, Hunger 18, Wake Up Dead, Head Crusher, Symphony of Destruction, Peace Cells, and Holy Wars. So pretty good. Pretty banger set list. That's a yeah. pretty good set list, yeah. It was, yeah. I just remember enjoying every song. Um, just, you know, I think, because I mean, Holy Wars is definitely my favorite Megadeth song, and every time I'm, I've seen them live, I've, that's the song I've been like really looking forward to and hearing, and remember just them delivering like the whole set. So yeah, it was a pretty crushing set. If they're going to play eight songs, those are some eight bangers to play for sure. And I like that too, even though I'm not the biggest Megadeth guy. I mean, I love the idea of these bands coming out, playing their best 10 songs. I love the idea of just the whole event, the whole ticketed event just being worth the money, worth the time, and being something super memorable. It makes me happy. What can I say? Yep, definitely. And and then in between each set, are you and your dad just kind of like, Jesus, that was awesome. You know, are you you and him like high-fiving and... Oh, yeah, yeah. I was definitely like, I remember like very clearly like during the sets, I was like, Always like being to my dad, like, oh, check this song out and like all like that. And then after between the sets, just like super excited, can't wait for the next band. And yeah, it was pretty amazing. Those are some really fun experiences, dude. Um, oh, yeah. were, were you like on the edge of your seat waiting for a little for a little Dawn Patrol? The only because it's <laughs> the only the the only criticism I can offer, the only hole in the set is no Dawn Patrol. Yeah, that's yeah, the only kind of minus points there. You're like, Dad, they're going to do this awesome song where Dave narrates this strange poem. Um, all right, so then you got Slayer. Now, Ethan and I haven't seen this set, but just watching the DVD, it did seem to us like maybe Slayer should have been second and then Megadeth. What was it like being there? Did the did the lineup make more sense when you're there in person? I feel like it did. Like, Okay. I think there were more, you could tell that there was more Slayer fans than Megadeth fans. Really? That's, that's interesting. That's the like feeling I got, yeah. Because, I don't know, because I think where you could tell is from the like loudness of the crowd. Right, Slayer their response. Yeah. To, yeah, their response was just bigger. So they did Disciple, War Ensemble, Postmortem, Hate Worldwide, Mandatory Suicide, Chemical Warfare, Snuff, South of Heaven, Raining Blood, Black Magic, and Angel of Death. Wow. Um, did you were you familiar with their world too? Did you, were, there, were they part of your education in that last year? Um, quite a bit. Yeah, I didn't have any, like specific albums I got into or anything, but I just remember listening. I mean, I knew all of those songs before before the set. Um, so I mean, definitely was very familiar with their stuff, and um, yeah, I remember just enjoying it a lot. I remember because I saw Megadeth and Slayer came to Finland. I think it was a year after this or two year or two after this and seeing them uh in finland and they played fairly similar sets but just a few more songs each and just absolutely enjoying that as well like i was definitely had a phase of like this like 80s thrash like anthrax megadeth and slayer when i was like 13 to 16 okay helsinki ice hall so what kind of what kind of venue is the uh, Helsinki Ice Hall? Is it like an ice skating rink? Yeah, just uh, like a ice hockey arena. Okay, so maybe yes. maybe five to eight thousand, something like that. Yeah, which you know I've seen a lot of shows and played a lot of shows in hockey arenas. They're pretty fun places to see shows. Oh, definitely, and I think I mean a lot of um, shows in Finland, especially during the winter times, are all almost in hockey arenas because that's those are pretty much the only big arenas in finland yeah i mean our our arena here in nashville is a hockey arena is hockey a big sport over there massive yeah oh really interesting Uh, it is 
I think like player player wise, soccer is the biggest, but like hockey is like it's like a like a country like it's the sport of the country. Wow. I didn't know that. You know, like we we have hockey here obviously and then we're sort of tethered to Canada, which is also, you know, the national sport of Canada. But I don't think I've ever heard about like Finnish hockey. I bet it's pretty fun. Yeah, like I mean our national team is very good. Like we we won the champ like hockey world championship in 2019. Okay. Uh, that's the most recent one. So, I mean, we do pretty well usually every year. Like our the best players in Finland obviously play in, in the NHL. So, ah, so the the NHL uh, same way in basketball, the 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 NBA just ends up attracting all the best European players and Absolutely. Yeah, same thing. But that's what makes the Olympics, at least for me, this was the first year that I paid attention to basketball. Um, what was so interesting about the Olympics was all the European players played for their home countries. So the U.S. still won, but it was interesting to see like some of my favorite European players not playing on Team USA, you know. Did, oh, does hockey absolutely. go to the Olympics? Uh, the Winter Olympics, yeah. Okay, well that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how does Finland usually do? They're usually in the top of that. Yeah, usually pretty well. Top like top four usually. So it's interesting that the states just end up taking all these great players. But I know that what's happening in basketball is the European players are doing that less and less, are less and less going to the NBA, and those teams are just getting better and better. So, which I think is better for the competition, better for the Olympics, better for the world. It's more interesting. No, it, that's a very good thing. But I think, especially in hockey, what attracts players from Europe into America is the money. Like the market is much bigger. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the and because of that, then the skill level of the entire league is better as well. Yeah, that's true. All good points. All right. So finally the Metallica set happens. Now, were you, did you have any ideas about what the set list might be? Or were you kind of treating yourself to the, the surprise of it all? <sighs> Cause I kind of had a feeling that I knew what they were going to start with, but then kind of after that, not really an idea of what what was going to happen. So I knew that they were going to start with hit the lights and um, puppets. Okay, those were going to be like the first one too. But after that, like like an open book, like I had like no idea. There's some really cool gems in this set, dude. I, I'll have to go like look at some of these other set lists. But <clears throat> after, so first of all, opening with hit the lights, super fun. Into puppets, yep. they usually play that a little later. So right out of the bat, it's like whoa, this is going to be a barn burner. Shortest draw and seek. Sanitarium, and then the sixth song they played is Ride the Lightning, which if you go to the Metallica.com page on this show, that's the featured video they have, is of that that tune. And you got to be stoked. I mean, this is all like old school stuff. This is all old stuff. Oh, definitely. And I just remember like, F, like every song they started, I was like, oh my God, it's this song. Just <laughs> yeah. like, you know? It doesn't matter what song they played. I was just like blown away that, oh my God, they're playing this song. It's funny when you're there. I mean, it's it's easy to sort of evaluate a set list from your house, but like when you are there, a lot of your preconceived notions about what you want to hear or whatever are out the window when you're actually like in the presence of the songs, you know? The f- 100%. The first song they played uh, that, that dates after 1987 or 88 is Memory Remains, which... Even if you don't like Reload, everyone has a good time during that song. Oh yeah, and I, especially like during the crowd part in that song, I remember the entire crowd singing, and that was like one of my first memories of like an entire crowd of I don't know how many people that was like fifty thousand people or forty I don't know, but like a massive amount of people just singing the same thing, and that kind of still remember that this day. I do like the guy. I like the image of the Slayer guy whose favorite song is Mandatory Suicide. And uh, maybe he even has a Kerry King tattoo on his back. I like the idea of that guy, the hard, the hardest core guy there going da, 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 like singing a little lullaby. <laughs> yeah. It makes Definitely me happy. Going on, thing going on YouTube, like, oh, Metallica sucks. <laughs> <laughs> totally. He's the guy in the, in the comment section of YouTube who was like, this song's lame. <laughs> I want I want yeah. b- b- strangled with barbed wire, but he's the he's the guy crying during the outro to to uh, memory, and Absolutely. then you get which is still I mean I still haven't seen this song live. It would be I don't even know if I ever will, but you get all nightmare long, 
which it sounds like strangely was a radio song up there in Scandinavia. Yeah, it was. And um, I mean, you think that, you know, maybe cyanide or something else would be yep. a radio single, but no, absolutely love that song. I, th- I think that is one of my favorites off of death magnetic. Me too, for sure. Yeah. They were probably like, look, these people like it heavy as shit up here. Like we're not playing around up here because yep. they, they definitely oh, yeah. gave us uh cyanide and David never comes. Cause we're a little, I guess we're a little softer, a little more sentimental. <laughs> then continuing this amazing set was Sabbath true and probably the biggest treat I'm guessing. Oh, there's two, there's another treat to come, but this is a pretty big treat. It was call of Cthulhu. Oh yeah. And like back to Sabbath true, just quickly. Like I remember hearing like the bass, like, or like feeling the bass. And that was like, when I could feel it, I was like, Whoa, this is something else. Cause none of the other bands had any songs with that kind of low end. Gotcha. And then just hearing like, or feeling Rob's bass during that main riff. Like that was pretty insane. Yeah. I mean, just can you imagine like most bands would kill just, just to have that song. Like, you know, like you have maybe 10 other songs that you can play live and they're okay. But then you always know that at the end of your set, you're going to play a song called Sabbath true and everyone's going to go crazy. It's like that band, uh, you know, the band Phantom Planet, they have that big song. That's like California. Here we come. It was in a big TV show here. You know, that song. Doesn't ring your bell, no. Uh, <clears throat> I was going to sing more of it to you, but I'll I'll spare I'll spare you that. Uh, <laughs> it's a huge song here, and I remember seeing them live at a big festival, and they were one of the headliners. And it was just like an hour of like the crowd, myself included, kind of just tolerating it. We were just all kind of like, okay, like all of their songs kind of rocked. They were kind of cool. They were kind of attractive. They were young. But then at the end of it, they played that song, and it's just called California, and it's so good, and everyone loves it so much. It's like, that's like almost a dream itself to be a band with that thing, let alone a band that can come out and play Master of Puppets song number two, Seek and Destroy song number four, have everyone, even the most diehard Slayer guys singing Memory Remains track number seven, then track number nine, they're like, I guess we'll play Sabbath True here and just play one of the greatest songs ever. Yeah, like I feel like there's maybe 10 songs there that or almost all of them that any band would like die to have. Yeah, for sure. As their biggest hit and Metallica just has a full set list of them. Man, yeah. And then and then there's just more to come. So Call of Cthulhu, oh, exactly. what I'm trying to imagine myself at that age because I was a huge lightning guy when I was when I was about that age. And uh this is before S&M for me. So Call of Cthulhu was really rare. Like I remember the fact that they played Call of Cthulhu for SNM, I couldn't believe it. It blew my mind. But even after SNM, they didn't play that song very much. So were you kind of aware? Were you like, Dad, this is like a really obscure instrumental track? Or were you just sort of soaking it all in? I feel like I was just soaking it all in, like definitely enjoying it, but it wasn't like standing out more than any of the other ones were. But I just do remember like because I knew that they hadn't been playing it because i obviously have been on youtube watching a lot of live videos and yeah then noticing that oh they really don't play the song live yeah and then when they did play it i was like okay well this is big but not anything like i didn't say anything to my dad or anything but you know definitely yeah. enjoyed it i almost wish i could be sort of a fly on the wall watching everybody deal with the fact that they were playing that song and maybe that oh, song yeah. just holds some sort of weird mythical power for me um Maybe everybody was just like, oh, it's just another good song. It's cool. Like, I wonder if he needed a potty br- or a vocal rest or... It's just interesting. It's interesting that that song yeah. is in there. Um, and it's like halfway through the set, so maybe it was a vocal break. Yeah, it's interesting. And I wonder if... Let me just indulge myself and look at the next show, which was a few days later. Let me see if they played that. They did. They did play it the next show. I guess it was a staple on that tour. So maybe they kind of just worked it up for the tour and thought it was something special. Let me see if they played it in Germany before your gig. Yeah, they did. So yeah, I guess maybe they were just it was in the set that year, which is cool. They're yeah. like, let's pull it out of the out of retirement for a little bit. So then you get another I mean, dude, it's what's so funny is that we already had that whole talk about like all these great songs. The next stretch of songs. One for whom the bell tolls, blackened, fade to black, inner sandman. Boom. I, I think I told Ethan. Yeah, yeah. I think I told Ethan when we were burning down the Sophia gig, I'm like, it's almost like I'm sure they didn't mean it this way because they're such cool guys and I, you know, it was very gracious of them to bring the other bands with them. And James always has nothing but good things to say, blah, blah, blah. But it is almost a fuck you. when You play this many great songs in a row. It absolutely is. It's, 
it's mind blowing how they can do that. It's yeah, and remember, just, especially during Blackened, just hearing that intro and James starting that riff, then the whole band coming in. Man, like that's yeah, that song live is something else. Definitely. What was? Do you recall anything about uh, any kind of in between song banter or vibe? Was there? You got that kind of classic James frontman stuff, but anything took out to you that you remember him saying or engaging the crowd? Nothing. Nothing that would have stuck out, but just the regular, you know, dad jokes, James <laughs> yeah. stuff, which is like everyone loves. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was. You know, there. I I remember just there was like just a good vibe general like between the band and the and the crowd according to the notes on the show to go back to cthulhu it was the first time in 27 years that cthulhu was played in sweden wow that's nuts the first time yeah. oh this is getting ahead of ourselves a little bit but the first time in 24 years that damage inc was played in sweden <laughs> that's crazy yeah. Okay, so they go off, and I'm sure you, because you had seen the the uh, big four shows before, were you expecting an Am I Evil kind of super jam with all the other dudes? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think, oh, I can't remember if it was before this or after when they started playing different songs as well, like Overkill. Yeah, or Die My Darling. Played, yeah, but, yeah, I can't remember, was it before this show that I kind of knew about it, or was it after? I can't, haven't looked at the set list, but... Even like, I, you know, when they kind of brought out all the snare drums, I was like, okay, they might still be playing Am I Evil? Because with the, you know, snare intro and everything. I think if I had yeah. to choose one for them all to do that on, I would probably choose Am I Evil. Yeah, no, I think that is the best kind of yeah group song that you can play. It's short, gets to the point, has yeah. everyone involved. Yeah. So it says featuring Dave Mustaine, Dave Ellison, Chris Broderick, Sean Drover. Charlie Bonante, Frank Bello, Joey Baldonna, and Andreas Kisser. So no Slayer dudes. Yeah, I think it was pretty much the same as right. 2010. Yeah. Which you got that many people up there, you're fine. It's like, oh, well, there's everybody. You didn't you didn't really miss the few Slayer guys that weren't there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it was a definitely a fun time. I remember that. And then at the end of that, I mean you just can't imagine them kicking any more ass and then they hit you over the head with Damage Inc. and Creeping Death. I mean, what an amazing show. I, I think about this when I look at set lists like this and I think about you being 14 there with your dad and it, of course, makes me think about being a kid seeing concerts. These dudes, it's like almost like every show they play, they are indelibly changing someone's life, at least one person's life, but probably thousands of people's lives. Every time they play, they're creating this memory that is going to stick with these knuckleheads until yeah. until 15 years later, 10 years later, they're talking to a guy like me on a podcast about it. Exactly, yeah. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> like, they definitely changed my life that day, being my first Metallica concert. And just, yeah, I was a big fan before that. But after that, like, it took me to another level in, like, in being a Metallica fan, for sure. Yeah, it seals it, you know? Like, it, it makes it impenetrable. Yeah. It's like... You know, for me, for me, it may for me, it's cool stuff like Metallica, but then there's uncool stuff like Dave Matthews, and there's other. I'm sure you have stuff that's on paper uncool, but there's some of those experiences that you you share with your parents or with your friends or just with yourself and your record player or at a concert, where it puts this wall between you and the world with that stuff in like a castle, and nothing is going to get over that wall. It'll be with you Absolutely. forever. That's what's so cool about it. Yep, and like just. Every time I've seen Metallica live, it's been like, yeah, no, this is definitely the greatest band ever. Yeah. There's no no question about that. So what were the shows you've seen after that? So I saw the 2012 um, Black Album anniversary tour. Oh, wow, where they played the Black Album back to front? Yeah, yeah, that was an amazing, amazing show. And um, then I saw them 2014 again. I think, remember, that was the um, By Request tour. And what were, would that have been in Finland or Sweden? Finland, and they actually debuted um, like in, the, in it, uh, its entirety, the Freight Ends of Sanity, for the first time ever. What? Yeah, the fin- we had like in Finland, there was this thing going on, like um, this petition kind of thing that everyone vote for Freight Ends of Sanity just yeah. to get that played because nobody like had been voting for that for the previous concerts. Yeah, I'm looking at the then set list now. There's the they- petition, like yeah, it says there's live vote for that song. Live so debut. Wow. 
unbelievable. Yeah. Look at these other songs you get in this set, too. First of all, Another Ride the Lightning. Well, first of all, Open with Battery. Then you get Puppets again, song number two. You get Ride the Lightning again. Lords of Summer, which I would love to see. May never see it again. You get the entire song in Justice for All. You get Orion. So you've seen Cthulhu and Orion. Yep. And you got the, t- the live debut, however many years later, of friggin' Freight Ends. Oh my gosh. So what did it feel like at that place when they started playing it? That is probably my favorite moment at a live concert ever. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> like, just the fact, knowing that that was the live premiere of the song, and them really sounding great live, playing it, and it, like entire um, like crowd knowing that it was the first time ever. There was like the special energy in the air. What a cool thing for that crowd and for that community of fans. Oh yeah. Did they Absolutely. say anything before it? Like, hey, here's the deal. You guys petition for it. We love you guys. Here it is. Like, was it one of those things? I think James was kind of like joking, like, I mean, here it comes. <laughs> here it is, guys. Enjoy I mean, it. You know, here it's coming. Yeah, definitely. It says after nearly 26 years since the release of Injustice for All, the Freightings of Sanity was performed live in its entirety for the first time. Amazing. What a cool yep. show. And it looks like uh, Ghost played that day, too. Did you see Ghost? I did. And they actually played 2012 also for the, um, um, the Black Album anniversary tour. They played the same kind of concert. Wow. Yeah. So that was 2012 was the first time I saw them live. And I've seen them now three times, I think, opening up for Metallica. Other, <laughs> other acts on this Helsinki gig from 2014 Slayer, Danzig, Mastodon, Ghost, and Go Hero. Good Lord. All right, so what what shows after 2014? Um, the 2018 um, Hardwire Tour and Hartwell Arena. Let's look up this guy yeah. and see what little treats you got in the rotating slots. It was the first night, because they played two nights. So would this have been May 9th? May 9th, correct. All right, so it looks like you got Harvester of Sorrow. You got Confusion. That's a treat. You got Die My Darling. And you got Spit Out the Bone. Yeah, I just remember because this was the first time seeing them in four years, so there had been a small break. Right. And just like being extremely excited to see them again. And definitely with the new record, them playing a bunch of new songs, which is the killer, killer set. And definitely at this point, they had, I think they played better here in 2018 than, well, 2019 when I saw them again than they played in 2011. Even though it was like great and everything, but they've kind of definitely stepped up their game. Interesting. Interesting perspective. And of course, thinking about you too, I mean, you know, from that's almost 10 years of you growing up a little bit too. And the, the, the change from yep. 14 to 20 is no joke. I mean, you're, you're, you're becoming an adult. So isn't it fascinating how these bands just go with us through all those little chapters and seasons? And, and then of course, by then too, you're already playing a lot of guitar. And so you're doing the thing where you're as a guitar player, it's hard to explain this to people who don't play instruments, but when you play an instrument, it's really hard to separate that part of yourself when you're watching a show. It's almost like, I, I don't know if you do this, but like, I'm just watching their hands the whole time. A hundred percent. And I, cause I also play drums. I've been playing over, over 10 years and I just soak everything out. Like what Lars is playing, what James and Kirk are playing. Like I just stare, I really concentrate on that a lot. And you know, you can't help it even though you try to like enjoy the show as a full, but yeah. you're still like, find yourself just looking at the guitar player or it's something. Just, yeah, it's just built into yeah. it. It's almost like yeah. uh, it's it's one of the sacrifices that the gods of rock demand. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, but you actually you do learn like you might learn stuff. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean I, yeah. I I would do that to this day. I remember being like, "Oh, that's I mean, I was having those exact experiences all these years later with everything I've been through in my life where I was like, "Oh, it was like fun to watch James play Sad but True." I was like, "Yes, that's and not just in a video, you know, like, no, I'm watching him like in real, we're, we're like breathing the same oxygen and I'm, you know, here with him watching how he does it. This isn't a trick, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I get to enjoy the drums as I'm sure Ethan has the same thing you have where he's just watching drums too. I get to sort of be, imagine what that's like for everybody else on guitar where I'm just watching him flail around and just enjoying it. But there are those little special little caveats when you play an instrument, you get to, especially just like, you know, this music is like, I mean, I learned how to play guitar by playing these songs, you know? Oh, definitely. That's, I, that was nothing, I played nothing else but Metallica when I was growing up. It's a great education. Did you use like tab books and stuff the way most of us did? Or did you use like video tutorials on YouTube? Mostly tabs, but also just by ear. Yeah. A lot of the stuff. Yeah. Well, dude, what an amazing 
journey you've had seeing this band live. I'm really glad we got to talk about oh, yeah. it today. Oh, it was, yeah, enjoyed it. What are your thoughts about the next album? You know, I don't, we don't have a lot of insider information about it. We just know that they've been working hard during quarantine. And are you, uh, are you optimistic it'll be as good, if not better, than Hardwired? Oh, I'm just super excited about it. And I just, I feel like it's going to be different from Hardwired, but probably just in a good way that, you know, there's still going to be like banger songs, even though they might be different, maybe more road, uh, load reload style, maybe. Who knows? But yeah, I'm just really looking forward to it, no matter what it is. Well, you know, as well as anyone listening to this, that if it's load and reload esque, Clint's going to be happy. No problem there. No problem whatsoever. Oh, for, sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, man, thank you for making the time. I guess it's around nine o'clock over there now, and you're settling yeah, into a, a wonderful evening. Uh, yeah. You've gotten a good head start on the lounge position. Oh, for sure. And. Yep. Uh, I'll see you, I guess, on the next Zoom hang we do. I love doing those. We don't do them enough. We're going to do another one coming up soon. But those are oh, always... I'll, I'll definitely be yeah, up for that. Yeah, Those are always a fun time. Well, thanks, man. Listen, I appreciate you. You've been on the Patreon ride for a couple of years now, and it really means a lot to us. And uh, you're very much appreciated from, by me and Ethan over here in Metal Up Your Podcast land. Oh, absolutely. And thank you guys for producing the best podcast out there. Hey, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> Hey everyone, Clint and Ethan here, and we want to tell you about a little thing called Patreon. Patreon is an easy and interactive way to support the people who make the things that you love. For as little as five bucks a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast can continue to grow in quality and content. That's equivalent to a cup of coffee or a beer once a month. Not only is it easy and affordable, but we've made it a priority since day one to give back to our Patreon community. We've given away deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, black and whiskey, concert tickets to SM2 and Slane Castle, all four of our Cover Our World Black and EPs, 26 quarantine covers, and Lunar Satan demos, invitations to exclusive Zoom happy hours, the ability to ask our guests like Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, Lizzie Hale, and members of the Metallica crew your very own questions, and eligibility for our Metal Tales series where you can be a guest on Metal Up Your Podcast and tell us all about a notable Metallica show you've been to. Subscribe to Patreon today and immediately get access to years worth of bonus content. Thank you for supporting the people who make the things that you love. Peace. Adios. I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little, yellow, different. <laughs>